learning activities influence business success. So this is changing and then the learning industry is changing. We know, you know, digital learning, social learning. Welcome to the Digital Adoption Show brought to you by WhatFix. Hello and welcome to the Digital Adoption Show. I'm Maria David, your host for today. Uh, a little background about myself. I'm a senior enterprise sales manager at WhatFix, and I've been fortunate to work with some very talented folks uh, from the L&D, the HR, uh, people industry throughout my time over here. Uh, now, today's topic is a very interesting and a relevant one. It's about mistakes, right? We all make them. We all learn from them. But in an enterprise setting, are we really given the freedom to make them? And to give us more insights, I'm very pleased to welcome Rafaela Ender, who's joining us from the beautiful city of Boston. She's the head of learning at one of the largest healthcare and life sciences companies in the world. And today, uh, we have a lot to unpack about why organizations should encourage employees to acknowledge mistakes and learn from them. Let's hear from our very accomplished guest herself. Rafaela, over to you. Perfect. Thank you so much, Maria. And thank you so much for having me uh, yeah, in this podcast session today. So maybe I'll just start with introducing myself. So I am Rafaela Endert. Uh, originally, I'm from Germany and I've been living, as Maria shared, in the US now for actually over three years. Um, my background, as probably many of uh, colleagues in the L&D space, I'm a psychologist by training. I'm extremely passionate about people, learning and development, and really to yeah focus on employees and their career journeys. Also, maybe on a private note, I also value work-life balance. So also my private time, I, I really uh, like to be outdoors and, and surf and travel. Um, though um, an important step actually that happened this year in my career journey, making it back to my career, I had the really fantastic opportunity to join HR in March within uh, Merck KGA and uh, become the head of global learning. Again, passionate about learning and development. And now I'm in that role since March. And yeah, quite excited about and happy to share my insights and my career journey a bit more during the podcast. Thanks. Uh, thanks, Rafaela. And congratulations once again. You know, it's a wonderful opportunity to be the head of uh, global learning at Marks. So congrats on that. All right. So to start this episode, Fela, let's really talk about, you know, your one of a kind, your roller coaster journey really across several roles in your career. You started off with uh, HR in the area of learning. Then you moved over to the business side. Uh, you took over a chief of staff position before joining HR back again. And, uh, you know, now it was back to roots with a strong focus on learning and development. And I'm sure our listeners are going to be curious to know why so much of change and uh, what really drove you to where you are right now? Yeah, happy to share. And as you were saying, I mean, it was really a kind of a roller coaster ride uh, over the past years. And I think it also fits nicely to the topic around, you know, learning, making mistakes and also progressing in your career and how that can help. So let me tell you about my, about my journey. So I, I started my own career journey um, with an Merck actually in Darmstadt. From the beginning on, I think that's just my nature. I was always eager to to learn and grow. And throughout my first career steps, which I actually uh, yeah, started with an HR back then, 2015, I learned extremely quickly that with passion, commitment and drive, a lot is actually possible. And, you know, I didn't have a full-fledged career plan <laughs> when I started at Merck, right? So I actually never planned my very concrete next career move. I always just followed really my passion around learning and, and development. 
as well as culture and change topics, which I think also link naturally together. And this is really where my focus was on in my career. And I wanted to gain more experiences to really make the best possible impact for the employees. So I started my career actually in HR. And I noticed after around two, two and a half years, I'm kind of missing the business perspective, right? Because the customers, of course, within my organization now, we have three different business sectors. So those are my customers. But I was working in HR. So how do I bring in the business perspective? So I really gained a network in our uh, one of our business sectors, which was healthcare. And that was still back in Germany. And it turned out that I was offered a functional learning a role within healthcare research and development. It was uh, a, a step for me. I didn't know anything about R&D and healthcare. <laughs> so it was definitely moving, coming uh, yeah, out of comfort zone. Yeah, it was definitely that step. Looking back after working then five years with healthcare, I never regretted anything. Like I was so proud actually to, to take that step and just be brave. And then um, this also provided me the opportunity to actually move to the yes, to take on different perspectives. So, um, and that's where I'm still am. I'm still in the US, right? What what happened next? So again, after kind of three years in that functional learning role, um, where I took on different project, but I was kind of okay. I need something. I need something new. I want to expand my horizon, and maybe I also don't want to stay in an L and D role per se. As a next step, um, I definitely had that vision to get a bit more. Uh, different perspectives than just working on L&D topics. And I took, a for me, a big, I think one of my biggest career steps so far, and I was appointed as the chief of staff for the head of development within R&D back then. Talking again about out of comfort zone, <laughs> I took that step not knowing what to expect, but I learned so much. I learned a lot also through mistakes, but this is, I guess, right how you learn. And I was part just of a broader change transformation and it was just so good to be part of, you know, a, a big thing, I would say, in healthcare. And I expanded my network, which also really helped me help me grow. Well, then maybe just to finish up, <laughs> I um, thought, OK, what's next? Right. I definitely always had that thinking. And my passion was, again, learning and development. So I envisioned myself on one hand, probably moving back to more L&D specific role. And then I really wanted to become a leader and really drive strategy. So then um, early this year, the position of the head of global learning opened up, took the chance, um, applied. And um, yeah, I got the position. So now I'm back in HR um, with a very strong customer focus, lots of gained experiences and lots of also uh, lessons learned. Yeah, So that's my roller coaster journey over the past years and I've been enjoying it. Yeah, well, that, that really is a, a roller coaster, Rafaela. And, uh, you know, learning is a never-ending journey and it's, it's wonderful to hear how you've made how you've created, um, you know, a career out of this passion that you've had for learning. And, you know, similar to what you said, not many of us will really know, you know, where to start, similar to what you experienced in your career in the very beginning, right? We don't know where to start, but it's important to get out of your comfort zone, uh, network, and to really put yourself out there. Um, so, you know, based on your experience, I'm, I'm really curious to, to know what you would suggest to, you know, young people, who've just started off in their careers and um, specifically from a learning angle, do you think they should kind of prioritize learning over the roles that they choose? Great two questions. And I want to um, target the first one um, suggestion to, you know, you start your career 
what to consider. And I think what is from my perspective, and that's my learning I wanted to share is important. First of all, don't stress yourself if you don't have a three, five, 10 years career plan in mind, because things are changing, you're changing, you're learning. And then, yeah, so that's something like don't stress yourself when you start your career to have it all um, that was one learning because I was had that in mind. That was one learning I really wanted to share here. I think, Maria, you also summarized it in one of your points. It's really this, you learn best when you're out of your comfort zone. And I think throughout my career journey, you, you could see I really jumped into out of my comfort zone. I mean, it's on one hand, you, you have to find opportunities, but then also you need to take the opportunities. And it's about really, you need to push yourself. You need to be brave. And you somehow this just do an attitude. And I must say, it wasn't always easy. <laughs> it sounded like, you know, a great career uh, path. But also, uh, tell, let me tell you, I also had my doubts. Yeah, I also had my, when I, um, yeah, thought I'm not going in the direction, direction is it the right direction? But really taking taking it all in and, and be brave. So that would be my recommendation. Sometimes it's easier to say it than do it. But that would be something uh, worth considering. Push yourself. This is how you learn. Just remember, also senior management, they started their career at one point as well. And then now they have, you know, 20, 30 years of experiences. Uh, so be aware of that as well, right? We're all starting at one point. So really allow yourself to explore. Speak to colleagues. Learn about the opportunities out there. And then, I mean, when I started, I did not imagine what is possible. Yeah, so really be brave and um, trust yourself. I think that's, that's something you can, yeah, you should also, if, if uh, something you could, should really consider um, trusting yourself. One other key recommendation, strategically build a network and also main, invest in that amount, sound obvious, maintain it. It's so important and through a network, which is strategically, it's not about, you know, having coffee with everybody in the company, but who do you really strategically want to connect with who might at one point help you in your career moves? And I'm talking about company internal and external network. Yeah. And I'm going to come to the external in a second as well. And then I want to come to your second question. How should you prioritize learning overalls? So it's an interesting question. So personally, I believe that when you show, you personally show learning agility, so you're open to learn you adapt and again you learn from mistakes yeah you take that as an opportunity ultimately um, and prioritizing learning you naturally progress in different roles i think again i think it's a nature if you're open to learn show learning agility things will happen and things will come to you as well allow yourself to make learnings allow that don't be too hard on yourself uh, on yourself i love the frame fail forward yeah so i think we all have done that uh we all make mistakes and then we, we we learn from it and make it even better next time and if we don't try out we never it's not what we never going to develop because we always keep to what we've been doing and last but not least celebrate your success i think that's something we tend to forget like be proud again be proud celebrate and trust yourself and then maybe linking it back one small advice to the importance of the external network i think it's Equally, I mean, internal network is super important, but potentially as equally the external connections you can make because it will help you also to get some broader views and perspectives. So I would recommend very concretely through volunteering, you can really gain professional networks. There's so many out there, nonprofit organizations where you can just jump in. So for example, I quickly started volunteering 
for its Healthcare Business Women Association. That's uh, how it's called. And yet there I could even try leadership skills in a safe environment. And hey, I failed, <laughs> but it was a safe environment. So I could just learn and um, yeah, learn from my mistakes. So um, just some tips and hints uh, from my end. Yeah, no, no, great thoughts there, uh, Rafaela. And I, I really love the uh, the last point that you had. You know, it's a great way to hone your leadership skills uh, in an environment that you're comfortable that you're, you know, you're comfortable with. And uh, I'm just curious to know, how did you find these networking associations? You know, just for, for young folks, is it, do you, how do you really make your external network? Because that's, that's, that's something that's different. Yeah, it's a good question. So for me, it was um, rather easy, I would say, because it was a network. And maybe that's something your companies also have. It was um, HBA, that's a short term uh, for High Capital Women Association. It was a, um, in our company well known within Merck yeah so it's actually you have, we have many volunteers working uh, not working many volunteers within uh, HBA so that's something I, I maybe really checking yeah what is in your company available on volunteer opportunities and uh, maybe some networks so that was specifically on uh, women and career advancements yeah so that's what I was looking for right so how I'm really supportive of you know women in their career so what can I do to um, help that advancement yeah so that's why I joined HBA otherwise finding a network I think you have to think about first um, what is the interest you have is it something that is super job related because you know there are so many learning networks out there is that something you're looking for or is it another passion like for me it was advancing women in their careers yeah right. and there are so many networks out there as well and also there I mean it might not be I uh, I ended up leading a, a marketing uh, team nothing to do with my learning and development background but you just learn you know you you, you gain experience and content but then you gain experience through leadership just in a different setup so I think either you go with your a professional background network and they are linked in you know so much or you go through your another passion which you might have and just try yourself there yeah yeah I, I really love it it's like you know training um for for your leadership and if that's the career path that you want to go right and 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 in in turn you're also volunteering so it's a plus plus uh you're, you're getting something out of it and you're giving something back to society as well so i really love that um that aspect so yeah great rafaela um, now i wanted to actually switch gears a little bit and get your thoughts on uh, the topic that we have for today which is you know mistakes and uh, there's a quote that i came across it says the greatest mistake a person can ever make is to be afraid of making one right and as a leader how would you encourage other leaders uh, really to accept that their teams you know are bound to make mistakes at the end of the day and um, included really in the organization's culture yeah and that's i think a topic that also um probably yeah organizations have been dealing with for, for longer already so i i think first of all it really everybody has to start um yeah living their own or driving their own team culture and they really need to encourage this mistake culture so if you would ask, you know, how you would, I would encourage other leaders, my first comment would be take a different angle and really not refer to um, mistakes, but maybe more opportunity to learn. And I think when we speak about mistakes, often people and employees and leaders associate it with something bad. Yeah. Mistake, oh, you know, and you start to blame and, and it, no, it's a mistake. There's a good thing about it. And I think sometimes just reframing the wording, right? 
um, could help. And I've worked a lot in uh, with back in R and D in the on the topic around lessons learned. And we always talked about lessons learned, and um, uh, we just kind of you know we learned from mistakes, we just framed it differently, and also we talked about best practices. So some things you can learn also from things that went well, and we shouldn't forget about that. I know it's not the topic, but um, just just to add to that, and another. So I think just tackling it from it's you know from a different angle, and then another thought is we as leaders, I think really have the responsibility, especially these days to support innovation. I mean, I work in the innovation HR department, so it's probably even more important, but I'm sure many of you do as well. And you want to innovate, you want to take the next step, you want to be head of the competitor. And to me, innovation only happens through learning from mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. If we innov- um, if we make innovative steps, if we want to, yeah, <laughs> do something differently, we never, it's never going to ha- be a smooth ride. And I think that's, something to me also super important to be aware of, of a leader you have to accept that innovation only happens through i mean prototyping right you do something you learn you don't yeah you learn you fail forward yeah. and then you're you're better yeah so i think that's also a great connection uh to me when it comes to um making mistakes um so those would be two elements i would really encourage to to lead us and maybe one one last point i can emphasize and also a term we've been hearing more in the, in the industry is the growth mindset um to me also growth mindset links back to making mistakes right if we really see the bigger picture if we really encourage our employees to develop we we just need them to support and really make that environment for them safe environment to try out yeah to do something differently otherwise we as leaders cannot expect our team to perform differently yeah that's not going to happen so yeah just just some thoughts did that answer your question maria or should i touch on anybody uh, on, on, on any other point no no it absolutely does and completely resonate with uh, everything you're saying right you've got to have that environment to be able to make those mistakes and uh, luckily you know i'm fortunate at the organization that i'm working at at Wordfix, uh, we have a tenet that we live by it's you know fail fast scale fast um, you know we experiment we learn from it, and then you re-experiment and you're not afraid, you with this you're not really afraid of failures you know instead you're using it as kind of a stepping stone right um, so you you kind of once you see the success of that particular experiment then you scale more so yeah no absolutely agree with you this is i think great advice to uh, other organizations as well to make sure that they are also keeping that uh, or maintaining that safe environment um, for their employees. So yeah, you know, that, that definitely answers my question, Rafaela. You know, getting a little more deeper, uh, there's this new hot topic in the L&D space called uh, social learning. And um, this particular concept, it's very new to me. Uh, so I was in fact just reading up about it. And from my limited knowledge and what I understand, it's about learning you know, from observing others, essentially, Um, and not only just observing them, but also with them. So I'm curious to kind of understand more about it from you and specifically how L&D can use uh, social learning to harness employee productivity, really. Yeah, if you can just share any thoughts, any practical ways around that, that'll be really helpful. Yeah, happy to do so. And yeah, overall, I think uh, what we've been seeing in the industry that social learning has become in some organizations already a priority. We, uh, within our company, but also within our L&D team, we see a clear benefit to invest into uh, social learning opportunities. And I'm going to share some examples also at the end, but also, you know, something we might be struggling with as well. Um, So maybe let's take one step 
back um, because social learning might be new to some of the um, ones listening in. So what is social learning about? And I think, Maria, you touched on it already a bit. So it's really um, looking back, you know, being a bit theoretical here, but it's a coming back from a social learning theory um, by a psychologist, Albert Bandura was his name. And he really said, you know, social behavior is learned by observing and imitating the behaviors of others. I think, you know, it's a It's a quite a clear statement, but this is where it actually came from. And and then companies actually took it, right, uh, to develop that further and see if there a benefit actually in the D space we can have from social learning. Um, again, I think it's something we focus on more. I think it's nothing totally new. I think we've been also doing social learning, maybe without calling it social learning. Yeah. So personally, I strongly believe that each and everyone's unique individual knowledge is really an absolute treasure. And the more we can support from a central learning perspective to really encourage and support employees to learn on one hand from, but also then, then with jointly with each other, uh, it's not just individually benefiting myself or yourself, right? It's not just for you. It's also ultimately a benefit for the company. Because when you think about it, right, you ran a project, I don't know, maybe a, a drug development project or, or any other project and, and something, you know, didn't work out, you learned from it, and then you apply lessons learned, learning from that um, based on past experience, and then the next project's working better, right? So it's the company benefit as well. Social learning, if you were wondering, you know, how, how can it happen? It actually, you can tackle it and address it through different channels. So it's on one hand, super simple conversations with colleagues. It's also through technology. So blogs and wikis and discussion forums, subject matter expert communities, videos. And I would think that many of you are listening and might, might be already doing that. And we are just really seeing where can we emphasize it more and really, um, yeah, bring colleagues together who really can benefit from each other. I think what is important also to mention is that there are studies out there that really show that social learning increases the learning or employees, sorry, productivity. So one example we saw in a study was on mentoring. Mentoring is also pretty much a social learning, right? You bring people together. So there's also data out there that really proves the impact. And our experience actually shows that trend as well. Before I um, come into um, some examples, I think one last benefit of social learning is, you know, we often with LD get get the feedback that, oh, you know, you, you go through a learning and then, oh, that's not really what I needed. Or maybe I needed like in, in three years, but I don't need it now. So social learning, you can really, um, and if we can really focus on learning what they really need in a specific situation there. And so it's quite, you know, I get what I need now. So, and that's a huge benefit, I think, as well. To go ahead in some examples to make it more tangible. Uh, so we are tackling, and again, we are also at the beginning of this journey uh, through social, uh, through different approaches. So one huge emphasis we put on community learning. So we did set up actually digital, digital global communities because, you know, we're managing essentially for different target groups, for different audiences to really bring colleagues together who can benefit and learn from each other who maybe even didn't know that other person at the other side of the world is working on it. And it's not just about creating community. I think we can all set up easy, like a, I don't know, Yammer group. Uh, Yammer is uh, one uh, technology, right? That's not how it works. <laughs> so you also have to actively manage a community and engage with the members because it's new for people. You know, everybody is so busy. Oh, and now I'm joining this community. What is actually the benefit for me? So you actively have to manage a community and that's one key learning. It doesn't 
fly. Yeah. If you just open a room and, and that's it. Um, so yeah. So one concrete example is that we created a learning practitioner community because it's not just HR dealing with learning and you might know that, that same for you. We really brought people together to find synergies, to exchange our learning approaches and also to share on innovations. And we hope through that we really don't reinvent the wheels across the globe, but we really learn from each other. One quick second example is that we focus on peer learning. Uh, so simply bringing a group of people, of employees together who personally want to develop and then they leverage the wealth and knowledge and network of others. So just another super simple example. People can learn so much from each other. We just need to facilitate that process, getting them together. So there's so much more we can do. And I recently read that we're moving from a learning to a coaching culture. And I think this whole uh, theory around yeah, social learning fits very nicely into that. Yeah. And, you know, human beings are social. Humans are social beings. And uh, there's always something to learn from anyone that we meet and specifically in the in the workplace. So, yeah, provided, obviously, we, have, we should have the right mindset as well to, uh, to learn. So with all of these new methods of learning, you know, in, in the new era, Rafaela, I'm curious to know what are your thoughts around the future of learning in the workplace? Yeah, I first of all, I mean, I'm passionate. I hope you hear it as well. I'm super excited actually about the potential that learning and development and also, you know, we as learning practice, we, we really have opportunity here to make a bigger impact for employees. And that's what really also drives my passion. Learning activities influence business success. And this is also what we as um, professionals need to emphasize further and really support the business and also prove our contribution through data, which is also not easy. And I think who are, from, who are from working in the field know that as well. So L&D for me in the future, even more is not a nice to have. It's a must have and it needs to be integrated in a company strategy. And, you know, I think that's super, super critical and we can all help driving that um, and we all experience i mean a lot of change transformation these days it's i mean the pace is just picking up in everybody's schedule upskilling of employees through that changes through that transformation is so critical to stay competitive yeah and while so this is changing and then the learning industry is changing we know you know digital learning social learning micro learning so it's it's changing the whole industry is changing and also employees learn differently. So there's so many elements that come together. And I think we as R&D professionals need to bring those different aspects together. And um, yeah, so I think that's a key role we are playing in the future uh, where there are lots of opportunities and maybe very concretely. So the future of learning to me is not just providing innovative and digital learning opportunities. I think that's one key focus area and also we are looking into that. It's also about precise learning offerings for different target groups, really offering a variety of methodologies. I mean, always almost like a menu, we can pick and choose uh, based on what you need. I mean, we also know generation why and so on, they're coming the company, they want to learn differently, right? Then maybe um, colleagues who are more experienced. So yeah, lots of opportunities, lots to come. And I think we really have it in the, in the hand to drive it. Yeah, and completely resonate with you about the importance of an L&D function in any org. And, you know, more than just a spray and pray kind of a learning approach, you know, having a more targeted learning function uh, that employees can truly uh, benefit from. Um, so, yeah, great thoughts, uh, Rafaela. And now uh, let's move on to 
the fun element of our session that I'm sure our listeners are awaiting. We call it the rapid fire. Um, essentially, I just ask you a bunch of questions and you can answer whatever comes to your mind about uh, a sentence or so. Uh, I hope you're ready. I am ready. Yes, let's do that. <laughs> okay. All right. So the first question, Rafaela, how is your leadership style? Is it like a mountain or a lake? Yeah. Um, quick, quick answer. I can connect to the lake more. I immediately associate uh, the mountain as a strong hierarchy, to be honest. Yeah. So I imagine myself with my team on a sailboat on the lake. We jointly sail. Everyone's hand is needed. And I provide the direction. I motivate. I support to really reach our destination as fast as possible. And uh, yeah, if the sea is rough, right, I would really ensure everybody's really knowing what to do, feel safe. And then afterward, we will have the best time and celebrate success if we made it through the rough sea. So that's something, uh, yeah. yeah, that immediately pops into my mind. Yeah, no, that's 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 very well put and, uh, and a wonderful comparison. Uh, it's a great, I believe it's a great quality for a leader to have, you know, to motivate, to guide, uh, to ensure that the team is also having fun along the way. So, yeah, wonderful. Now, moving on to the next question, what's something that you saw recently that uh, made you laugh? Yeah, so maybe a private example. So um, I have uh, quite a balance. Yeah, so husband and myself, we do kind of chores and everything uh, together, and which is amazing. And, and my husband was cooking, and he wanted to do a um, zucchini uh, squash casserole, and he mixed up cucumber with zucchini so squash so he cut the cucumber and that really made me laugh because he was so into his cooking and I was just yeah laughing I'm like okay we need to adjust it here <laughs> all right all right now what will you choose Rafaela if you have to uh, money or passion a uh, quick answer passion it drives me every day and really brings me joy so yeah yeah lovely lovely um, and if you could change one thing about your job what would that be so first, I love my job. I wouldn't change a lot, but I work in the U.S. and I start usually 6 to 7 a.m. each morning due to my global role. If I could have one day where I start at 8, that would be fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we experience the same at uh, our organization as well. You know, global roles, they have their own sets of advantages and disadvantages. All right. All right. Well, uh, thank you so much, Rafaela. That brings us to the end of the rapid fire and the end of today's session as well. Um, this was a, a really fun session. I thoroughly enjoyed it and I hope our listeners uh, enjoyed it as well. Thanks again, Rafaela, for being such an inspirational speaker um, and for all of the little nuggets of information that our listeners can take away from the show. Thank you to our audience for listening and uh, stay tuned for more episodes that are coming your way.